0: Good morning, it's very good to see all of you here, we are blessed with a beautiful Lord's Day, and yet our minds are with those further south who are suffering through this latest hurricane, and we need to be praying for all of those, many of whom we know personally, family, friends, uh, who are in harm's way this very hour, and certainly our minds and our hearts and our prayers should be with them. This morning, uh, it's a blessing to be gathered together in the presence of God. It's a blessing to enjoy fellowship with brothers and sisters. I also see a lot of visitors in our midst, and we're thankful that you are here with us as well. I know that you just sat down, but I think we ought to, not just yet, I think we ought to, in a moment, stand back up and greet if there are visitors around you, greet them, make them feel welcome, and also use this time to check on your brothers and sisters. There are brothers and sisters who are here rejoicing and experiencing a lot of joy and gladness in their hearts, but there are also some folks here who may be struggling with grief, uh, with illness, maybe a spiritual struggle that you know we're not even aware of, and you may have an opportunity. Uh, in offering a hug or a handshake or a smile to really lift them up. So that's what we're going to do right here, right now. Get on our feet. Let's greet those around us. All right, all right, have a seat. All right, have a seat, I said. Y'all have gotten so good at that. I think you'd do that all day if I didn't get back up here. (laughs) Maybe you're trying to send me a message, I don't know. In John chapter 14 at verse 6, Jesus makes a bold declaration. He says to those in earshot of Him as He's teaching, He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And sometimes when we talk about that verse, we talk about how Jesus is the way, and really the only way that we can enter into an eternal relationship with God. And other times when we talk about that verse, we talk about how Jesus is the one, and really the only one, in whom we can have abundant, everlasting life. But this morning, we're going to talk about what Jesus says right in the middle of his statement. Between I am the way and I am the life, Jesus claims... That he is the truth. The truth. And what I want to share with you this morning is that this is good news. I hope that it feels like good news to you. You know, that's what the word gospel means. The life, death, resurrection of Christ is meant to be good news. When they went about sharing the gospel, they shared the very story of Jesus. And so, Jesus' life and his actions and miracles And teachings ought to fall on our ears as good news. This statement that Jesus makes about himself ought to sound like and feel like good news to us when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the reason, at least one reason, this is good news is because we face a truth crisis in our culture. A truth crisis. We don't know who's telling us the truth anymore. We struggle to separate fact from fiction. It's difficult to discern between what is true and what is false. We don't know who's telling us the truth on the news anymore, do we? The arrival of cable news brought with it anchors and pundits and commentators who they get on there and they sit behind their desks and they pass off highly opinionated reports as news. And all across the spectrum, from MSNBC to Fox News and everywhere in between, news outlets are much, much, much too biased. They're pushing an agenda. They're working an angle. So much so that we as the viewers can't tell anymore what's true and what's not. And we've even got a term that you hear tossed around in our culture these days, a term for news that is misleading or inaccurate. You know the term I'm talking about. Fake news, fake news. That's an oxymoron, by the way, because news in and of itself is supposed to be true and factual, and then you tack this word fake, which means it's a liar, or at the very least it's misleading. Fake news, a culture of fake news. We don't know who's telling us the truth anymore. We don't know who's telling us the truth on social media, do we? <laughs> Social media, in many ways, has taken fake news to new heights. The amount of false information that is published and widely shared on social media sites like Facebook is astounding. For instance, here's just one example of thousands that we could share. A couple days ago, a live video stream was shared and described as shocking video of Hurricane Irma pummeling an island in the Caribbean. So people are logging on social media, looking for genuine news about the hurricane. And this video pops up claiming to be live footage from an island in the Caribbean that's just getting hammered by the winds and the rain. And it's shocking. The video had more than 6 million views, more than 160,000 shares on Facebook. Maybe some of you saw it. Maybe some of you shared it. I don't know. Uh, But it turns out this was not a live video at all. It was at least a nine-month-old clip set on a loop of damage from a cyclone in India. And this kind of thing happens all the time. People put out a, a, a video that's been messed with in some way that claims to be this, but it's really that. People put out a fabricated news story with a salacious headline and it gets all these shares, but a quick Google check would show, you, show us that it's anything but true. And yet we often fall for it. And worse yet, sometimes we pass along stuff without checking into the veracity of it, without looking a little deeper to find out if it's true. We have a hard time knowing what's true and what's not on social media. We don't know who's telling us the truth in politics anymore. Sometimes politicians tell voters what they want to hear, what they think we want to hear in order to get elected. But when they get elected, they neglect to follow through on their promises. We've seen this happen a time or two in American politics. More dangerously, sometimes Christians place their complete unequivocal support behind a political party or leader. We attach our wagons early in our lives and we just ride it out to the end, no matter how much that party or leader might change in what they believe or the policies that they are pushing for. Sometimes Christians begin to defend everything about their side politically, including the bad, and they demonize everything about the other side, including the good. They turn a blind eye to their candidates' flaws and. In their mind, he or she's perfect, and yet they assume the very worst about his or her opponent. And over time, entrenched partisanship like this can prevent even Christian leaders from being able to name truth as truth and lies as lies. And so in politics, who can we believe anymore? Let's bring this a little bit closer to home. Sometimes we don't even know who's telling the truth in our homes. If you're a parent, you know all about a couple of the kids fighting in the next room, and you don't know what happened, you don't know what they're arguing about, you don't know what precipitated it, but then they bring it to you. And one of them is saying this, and the other is saying this, and one of them says, he hit me, and the other says, no, she punched me first. And you don't know what happens, and so sometimes you say, okay, both of you are in trouble. Both of you get a spanking or both of you have to go sit on the bed. And other times it's like, I don't know what happened, so I'm not worried about it, so just get on out of here, okay? Just try to resolve it on your own. See if you can find a solution. But on a more serious note, sometimes deception in the home can wreak havoc. Maybe a person in your home A child or a spouse has been dishonest with you. And there's been a serious breach of trust. And you're struggling to gain that trust back within the confines of your home, in in your own family. And you don't know anymore whether your child or your spouse, your husband, or your wife is telling you the truth. Now, there aren't many things worse than that. A breach of trust in the home a nagging doubt in the back of your mind whether someone who is one of the closest people to you is telling you the truth anymore. We're in a truth crisis in our culture. In our culture, truth is hard to come by. And that should displease us as we think about all of these ways in which discerning the truth is difficult, that should displease us, that should dishearten us. It should be disappointing to us. It should frustrate us. But let me tell you, this should not surprise us. Why? Because of Satan. Satan is powerfully influential in our world today. Just ask Peter. He said, Satan walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Satan is alive and he's active, And he'll stop at nothing to devour us with his lies. He's a liar. Jesus calls him that in John chapter 8, verse 44. He's a liar, Jesus says. He's the father of lies. And so it shouldn't surprise us that he's trying to stir up lies in our culture. It shouldn't surprise us that he's trying to muddy the waters, that he's trying to make it more difficult for us to discern what's true and what's fiction. Satan is at work in our world today. And so the difficulty that we have separating fact from fiction, it's not a problem of human ability, it's a spiritual problem. And it results from Satan himself, who is living and active in this world, throwing all sorts of lies into the wind, trying to mix us up, trying to muddy the waters and make us confused. And you know what? Because of Satan and sin, we can't even trust our own instincts, our own heart. Follow your heart is the motto of billions the world over. But you know what the Bible says about that? The prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is deceptive. And Jesus in the gospel says all sorts of evil comes out of the heart. And so we can't even follow our hearts. We must ask ourselves, am I even telling myself the truth? That's the kind of predicament that we find ourselves in. A truth crisis at the very core of our identity. And then Jesus comes along in the midst of all these confusing lies and falsehoods and deception and dishonesty, and he clears away the clutter and he says, I am the truth. And that's good news. And what's more, John says in his gospel towards the beginning, in John chapter 1, verse 14, John says that Jesus is the only son from the Father, and he he is full of grace, and he's full of truth. Now, isn't that good news? In a world full of falsehoods and lies, and even as we think about ourselves, being full of deception, the ability to deceive ourselves because of the the evil that is within our own hearts, Jesus is full of truth. It's Good news. And it would have been good news in his day as well because people back then faced a truth crisis as well. It was difficult in those days to ascertain truth also. There were corrupt, dishonest religious leaders on the prowl and Jesus rebuked them and he was as hard on them as anybody during his ministry. The Jewish religious leaders who he said bound heavy burdens on the people that they were not willing to lift with even one of their fingers. He said these Jewish religious leaders were so deceptive, so dishonest, that they were, he said, whitewashed tombs. They looked beautiful on the outside, sparkly, brand new, but inside there was nothing but bones and death. Those were the kind of people who were leading Those were the kind of people who were teaching, who were in authority over others. Listen to what Jesus says about them. Whitewashed tombs. So deceptive. So dishonest. A truth crisis. And then you you had guys who claimed to be the Messiah before and after Jesus. Jesus was not the only one who claimed to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. The book of Acts, chapter 5, verses 36 and 37, mention at least two who came Before Jesus, their names, Theudas and Judas the Galilean. They rose up. They claimed that they were going to lead God's people into a new kingdom full of peace and prosperity. And they drew followers to themselves. But then they were killed. And unlike Jesus, they didn't come back to life. They were not raised. And so their followers scattered to the wind. And so not only did you have deceptive, dishonest, Jewish religious leaders, you also had innumerable people who rose up and claimed falsely to be the messiah so do you get a sense of the confusion do you get a sense of of the crisis that existed in jesus time to understand truth and so when jesus comes along the one who is full of grace and truth it was a breath of fresh air we talked about in my wednesday night class the one that i'm attending with Brother Larry Helton, we talked about the apostles. And one of those was Nathaniel, who when by faith he believed that Jesus really was the Christ, he said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. You're not like these other hucksters and pretenders and religious leaders. You're the real deal. And when we hear him say that, we can can hear that sense of relief and, and joy and gladness at having finally found the one who truly is the Son of God. And Jesus proved himself to be the true Son of God by his life, by his teachings. He was one who taught with authority. People recognized that as opposed to the other religious leaders. By his miracles, he proved that he was somebody special because he could do things that nobody else could do. By his death on the cross, by his glorious resurrection, By his ascension into heaven, by all of this and more, Jesus proved that he was who he said he was, the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is full of grace and truth, who called himself the truth. And it was a breath of fresh air for the people then. And the arrival of Jesus ought to be a breath of fresh air for us as well. We hunger for truth. We want to know the truth. We want to get at what is true and real in this world. We want to cut through all of of the fog and the clutter before us. And Jesus is the truth. He's the personification of truth. He's the embodiment of truth. He is truth in flesh. He's truth walking around. Truth with breath in his lungs. with, With a beating heart. Jesus in the flesh. Is truth. And Jesus in heaven is truth today. And what's more, the Christian writings which would eventually form the New Testament are also authoritative truth. Jesus said he would send his spirit in John chapter 16 to guide the people into all truth. And the writings of those early Christians which became the New Testament, that's scripture. And according to Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it is breathed out by God. It's authoritative, it's truthful, and it's useful for mankind today. So we can know truth, unlike what the world says. You can't really know truth anymore. I mean, maybe there is absolute truth out there somewhere, but you're never going to be able to find it. You're never going to be able to discover it. Or worse yet, you have people who say there isn't such a thing as absolute truth. What is truth? Truth for you may not be truth for me. And yet we as baptized believers, as Bible believing Christians, we believe we can know the truth. It comes from God in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, and through his word. And that's good news. It's good news in this world of confusion and doubt and dishonesty and deception and lies to be able to know the truth, to know that Jesus is truth, to know that his word is true. And so in daily life, the way that we can discern between truth and lies according to Jesus, it's quite simple. We abide in him. Jesus in John chapter 15 said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And you need to stay connected to me at all times. And you need to be constantly abiding in me and seeking to be obedient to my will. And you need to, according to our text, John chapter 8 verse 31, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth. So Jesus says, stay connected to my word. Stay in my word. Love my word. Be studying my word. Be tethered, be moored to me and to my word. And you'll truly be my disciples. And you will know the truth. You will be able to discern Between truth and lies, if you stay in my word, and if you abide in me. You know, there's a lot of lies in the world today, because it's a fallen world. And because, as we've noted earlier, Satan wields a lot of influence in our world. The father of lies is still at work. Don't forget it. And don't let that fall out of your mind this week. Know that Satan is out there prowling around, seeking for somebody to... To devour. And he's going to try to deceive you. And so there's a lot of lies floating around in the world today because of Satan and because of man's decision to sin. But you know what? There's also a lot of truth out there. There's truth because God made this world. And God called this world good. And when we tether ourselves to Christ and to his word we can sift through everything that we hear. Everything we hear from the news and from social media and from politics and in our homes. Everything we hear and we will better be able to separate fact from fiction and claim all truth is God's truth. If it's true, it's God's. Because God made this world. All truth is God's truth. And as we abide in Christ, God is training us not only in clarity to be able to discern truth, but also in these ways. I want to share these with you. And maybe you want to jot these down. So if we are abiding in Christ, we're abiding in his word, then God is working on us and he's training us and he's molding us in our ability to discern what is true and what's not. So clarity is one way he's working on us. But here's, here's another way. He's training us in courage. Encourage. In I think this is on the next slide. Encourage to accept truth no matter the cost. Courage to accept biblical truth no matter the cost. Even if it doesn't make the point that we want to make. Even if it doesn't lead us in the direction that we want to go. Even if it doesn't tell the story that we want to tell. We will embrace it. Because it's God's word. And because it's God's word, it's true, And that takes courage. Courage. To accept and embrace truth no matter the cost. Here's another way God's working on us. As we abide in Christ. In our commitment to share truth even when it's inconvenient. Even when people will criticize you for sharing truth. Even when people will say you're closed minded or you're a bigot. Even when people will say, well, you're you're liberal because you believe that, or you're conservative because you believe that. No, I believe that because that's what God's Word teaches. Commitment to believing and to sharing the truth, even when it's inconvenient. And here's the last one. We've got to take all these together. You can't have one without the rest. The last one is this. Compassion to speak the truth in love. And this must be paired with the others. Because when we say that we're speaking the truth, and we're not doing it in a gentle, loving way, then we're not speaking the truth anymore. Speak the truth in love is what Paul says in Ephesians 4.15. If the truth you speak is spoken without love, then it's not truth. But if the love that you show refuses to share truth, then it's not love. So all of this works together. And God is working on our hearts and he's molding us and shaping us to be the kind of people who have the clarity to discern truth, the courage to accept it no matter what, the commitment to share it even when it's inconvenient, and the compassion to share it with love and gentleness. But here's the most important thing that abiding in the truth of Christ will do. You ready for it? Our text, John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Jesus says, if you abided my word, you're truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will what? Why don't you say those three words with me, church? The truth will set you free. The truth of Christ will set you free. Now this is a pretty popular verse and sometimes it gets quoted out of context. We hear it tossed around in our, in our culture. The truth will set you free, but this is specifically talking about the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The truth of the gospel of the good news of Christ will set you free, will unloose the shackles of sin. Because when you know Christ and when you know what he did for you and when you know what you need to do in order to receive that gift from God through Christ, it frees you from being a slave to sin. And that's what God wants for every man, woman, and child on this, war, on this planet Earth. He wants all to come to the knowledge of salvation. He wants everybody to be saved and everybody to come to the knowledge of truth, according to Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. That is God's heart. That is what God wants. And that is what we should want, That everybody, that everybody hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That everybody come to salvation. That everybody come to the knowledge of truth. But Satan wants just the opposite. Just the opposite. And he's doing a slam-bang job in our world, is he not? He wants to keep people from the truth because he wants to keep people from salvation. He wants to muddy the waters. He wants to sow doubt about God's promises in your heart. He wants you to question whether or not God really loves you. He wants you to doubt whether or not God really wants to offer salvation to you through the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. And He's been doing it from the very beginning. You can hear that that ancient hiss from the garden echo throughout all history. Did God really say? Did God really say that? Did God really say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? The only one through whom salvation can be found. Did God really say that he loves you? That he wants to give salvation to you despite your unworthiness? That he wants you to dwell with him for all eternity? Did God really say that? The voice of the liar, the father of all lies, seeps into our head and begins to sow doubt. About God's will and about what God wants to do. Make no mistake, God wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth of His Word. And so this morning, which voice are you going to listen to? The voice of the evil one? The voice of the roaring lion? The voice of the deceiver? The great liar? The father? Of all untruth? Or are you going to listen to the voice of the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Are you going to listen to the voice of lies or the voice of truth found in God's holy word? This morning, I know we have folks in the house who have yet to come and say, I want to follow. Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And maybe you believe that. You believe that Jesus is the only way into a right relationship with God. You believe that Jesus is the only means of receiving life, abundant life here, eternal life with God. And you believe that Jesus is the only source of truth. But for whatever reason, you haven't acted on that belief. And so this morning. Push the voice of the deceiver aside. And submit to the voice of truth. The one who is calling you to come. And to confess the name of Christ before men. And to repent of your sins. And to be baptized. For the forgiveness of those sins. In order to come up a new creature. One who is committed to walk in newness of life. One who is a child of of God. Listen to the voice of truth today. Maybe the voice is telling you you need to come and make things right in your relationship with God. That you have wandered far from Him and now it's time to come home and to recommit yourself and to be restored. Or maybe you just need prayers. You're, you're struggling with something. There's sickness in your family, uh, there's a spiritual struggle that you're facing. Listen, these people, these are my brothers and sisters here. This is my family. I know that they want what's best for me, and they're concerned about my soul, and they are for yours too. And so we beg of you to come. And when you come, you'll find the people who want to pray for you and with you, a people who want to encourage you and lift you up and support you on this Christian journey. And so if that's your desire today, then come and make your needs known while we stand and sing together. But that thy blood was shed for me, I am.